This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today, we're doing a new year, new me. I know we're a little past the new year, but it's never too late to reflect on mistakes, do some lapping on some victories. It's been a year. And also just kind of talk about what we've learned along the way and the friends we made and the journeys we've made. It's me and Frodo Baggins, bro. Frodo, Are you Frodo or am I Sam? Uh, I'm probably, I don't know. I don't I feel know. like you're you, Sam. Like you're always reeling me in and I'm like, Frodo, I think so. Like, yeah. You're Frodo. You're wild. You're just all over the place. And I'm just trying to just calm you down sometimes, you know, I'm your, I'm your, I'm your rock. <laughs> oh, Corey. All right. But anyway, but first, Corey with the news. Ahead, All right. First, away, we'll head over to uh, the NFL draft. We'll start there. Um, some some declarations, known declarations, I would say. First, starting off with LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors and wide receiver Brian Thomas, both declared for the draft. Um, over to Texas, where tight end Jatavian Sanders, uh, wide receiver Xavier Worthy, and AD Mitchell. Uh, all expected to declare, as well as running back Jonathan Brooks, which was maybe the only surprise of the group. People weren't sure what was going to happen with his ACL tear, if he was going to bother going or not. Um, also heading over to Alabama, where Jermaine Burton, a one-time top 10 wide receiver for a lot of Debbie analysts out there, he has declared for the draft. And running back Will Shipley from Clemson uh, has declared for the draft after his knee checked out pretty well. No structural damage there. So he's going to take his chances to the NFL. And then just one guy returning. Uh, we've got Oregon wide receiver Tez Johnson. He's going to be returning. So I know he was a guy that me and you wanted to kind of look into to see if there's anything there. But at least now we get another year of tape to kind of analyze him a little bit better. So uh, anybody here that stands out to you or comments on any of these guys? Worthy and Mitchell are going to be very interesting in the offseason to talk about. They've always very clearly have weaknesses and strengths and if you look at like mock drafts or there's just such a wide varying opinion about both of these players so as far as like sticking out i'm excited to see what actually happens with these two guys but we're a couple months away from that yeah yeah for sure i mean we even had quite the debate going on in our chat group today about some of these guys yeah (laughs) yeah so (laughs) some uh what what their expected roles are on the next level what they can do the next level so it's not like any of these guys are complete packages they're definitely guys that we think are gonna have to fit in some sort of way once i get to the next level uh not much to take away from uh for me here most pretty expected um talking about that chat uh by the way you just recently posted your grades on some of these guys in the chat you had burton as an early day three guy i think that lines up pretty well i think he's a guy um probably going to turn heads with his testing um, I think if he gets himself a senior bowl invite, which, which seems kind of likely uh, I was looking back and they, they've hyped him up at different times. So I think he's the kind of guy that can thrive in like those, those one V one settings. You know, we've heard him do that in practice multiple times, you know, in uh, at Alabama and at Georgia, that was, he was always a practice event, never really translated to the field like we wanted to see. So he'll probably do a lot of things during the, the draft process that might get him that early day three selection, I think. So he's, he's been incredibly inconsistent on the field and and seems like someone who relies more on those athletic, athletic gifts than being a refined wide receiver. But he'll be an interesting guy to see uh, going forward, I think. I, I did. I was surprised by how much I liked his hands, actually. And that was kind of what yeah. his hands plus his athleticism kind of deadlifted his grade up to where it is. I remember looking back at him and he's just, he's a very like physical guy too. A lot of the time, like uh, play strength and like hand strength was something that I wasn't really um, too worried about with him. It was just kind of like the rest of the stuff, like route running and consistency and kind of like ad libbing his routes all the time too. You know, yeah. just, he needs, he needs to kind of refine everything from his a wide receiver standpoint. Comp for me would be Trey Palmer. So I, I think he's more of a mid day. Oh, you guy. think he's got that kind of speed to him? Trey Palmer was um, about four or three guys. I don't know about like 
yeah, he was really fast. I don't know about speed, just overall athleticism. Like, I think he'll test yeah. very well the combine, but he's also going to show it on the field too. Yeah, I think I think that's his path to to better draft capital. It's definitely what he's going to do during this uh, this offseason process. Um, heading over to the transfer portal, where our boy Kansas State quarterback Will Howard, former Kansas State quarterback Will Howard, is headed over to Ohio State. Uh, I know that we are fans of him and kind of fans of, of Kansas state in general, but I was actually surprised by how many people didn't like this move. I guess he like, he's clearly a well-respected guy from the services. He was ranked pretty high in the transfer portal, uh, quarterback rankings, uh, played really well in that 2022 season where they, they won the big 12 championship. I feel like there's just too much being put on last year, uh, where he was battling with those injuries, a little more inconsistent this year, but this will easily be his best situation of his career. And I think that he's grown enough, like from what I've seen to feel pretty optimistic about what he can do in this offense. Yeah, no, I'm pumped. This is a great landing spot. Obviously all eyes are on him. Uh, he has the best weapons of his career. I mean, he's been throwing to Philip Brooks and Jake. Or- no, Jake or- <laughs> yeah. like, it's, been, it's, been, um- it's been bad. It's been, yeah. There's nobody there of note really. Like, yeah. Yeah. But he has like prerequisite sides. It's kind of like when we talk about his like negatives, it's his inconsistency in his arm. And I, we love his mobility, but like Ryan day is going to reel that in. So that's okay. Like I've already seen it before, so I can just check that box and just move on yeah. from that but I get to see some actual more like pure passer from him. So I'm pretty excited about that. And awful also with like less running, hopefully he can stay a little bit healthier, but I'm pretty pumped about this. I think I was saying too, like, he's definitely our guy. I probably would have had him as like an early day three grade in this NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Um, probably going to next season. I'll probably just keep that grade, but there's like a lot of upside here for him. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think he has to rely on that rushing ability either. I mean, that was something, if you look back at the 2022 season where he had like his magical run with Kansas state, he only ran for like, 33 yards or something like that like it's it was the lowest rushing total of his career he was actually excelling as a passer i remember like big 12 rankings he was like down that seven week stretch he was like through the most touchdown passes through for like the second most yards like like first fewest interceptions like it was it was a really good stretch and i know this year didn't really follow up that well but i'm still i'm really optimistic about what he can do at ohio state with these weapons um some other guys that have committed to new places uh Freshman wide receiver from Ohio State, Noah Rogers. He's over to NC State now. He was a year one zero. Um, Kevin Coleman, uh, former high ranking recruit, um, you know, it's with um, Shadur Sanders over at where's that place? Jackson where were State, they? Jackson Thank State. you, Jackson State. Um, came over to Louisville. Didn't really make a much of an impact. He's headed over to Mississippi State. Uh, Amari Huggins, Bruce, another Louisville wide receiver, a speed guy that never really met those standards he set for himself in that freshman season. He's headed over to South Carolina. Uh, your guy, James Madison, wide receiver Elijah Surratt. He's headed over to Indiana. How are you feeling about that? I like that. He gets reunited with his head coach. Uh, Signetti gets over there. They have Curtis O'Rourke at QB there, as well as Taven Jackson, who we were high on as a freshman, did not have a good year, but just someone that might be getting improvements over the year. But anyway, love the offense, love the coach. Schedule's kind of like not that hard either. But this is a guy that's a freshman All-American at the FCS level, goes over to JMU. He's another like first conference like selection. So he's just been killing it at every single level. So I, I think this is an appropriate step up. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about him because I think this is a Debbie asset. I still know how high. Yeah, I didn't even realize that Curtis Rourke had gone over there. The Maple Missile, man. Canadian morning bread. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be in the CFL one day, I think. So I think I'll be following him a lot longer than this. Um, other quarterback news. Former Oregon quarterback Ty Thompson. Uh, he's headed over, headed over to Tulane to hopefully uh, be in contention to take over that spot left over by Michael Pratt over there. Um, one of our running back gloves from last year, Mr. Quinton Jackson. Uh, he's headed over to Arkansas. Going to be kind of that makeshift 
um, KJJ and Raheem Sanders duo uh, with Taylor Green and Jaquina Jackson. Now kind of downgrading there, but two similar types of guys. So they know their types and they're kind of just <laughs> sticking to it, I guess. Um, heading over to Louisville, where they got a commitment from to lead a running back, Penny Boone. Not sure if he's really a Debbie asset, but I am really um, excited about his potential workload over there and, and doing something over there. He needs to be, he needs to test really well at his kind of size to be even thought of as a Debbie asset. I just don't know if that's in the cards for him. Um, another running back, um, head over to Nebraska is Dante Dowdle, uh, freshman running back for Oregon this past year. They just had, uh, 2024's quarterback when Dylan Rayola flip over to there. Uh, they picked up Isaiah Nair this cycle. I'm not a huge fan of him, but you know, that's another weapon to go along with, um, with Malachi Coleman as well. Maybe he can keep developing to his full potential. They're, they're trying to build something over there. Maybe something a little bit interesting, you know, with, with Rayola over there now, um, other quarterback news, uh, former freshman quarterback, Eli Holstein from Alabama. He said it over to Pittsburgh to just be their next transfer quarterback in line to, to take over that position. Um, G5 running back here is Callaway. He's going up to Cal to be Jaden, fight for a spot to be Jaden Knott's backup at least. And then this is probably the biggest one that I really want to get your take on. Mr. Malachi Nelson uh, going over to Boise State. Like I, I know that there's endless possibilities here in the transfer portal era. Um, if he plays well at this in, in against this competition, a transfer back up isn't really out of the question, but like I can't help but feel his value has dropped here a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, a lot of it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't. Are we just bad at evaluating freshman quarterbacks? Like, is that like quarterback is a really hard thing to to uh, to analyze for sure. I think he was really looking for a starting job, and he probably couldn't exactly find that in the Power Five, especially for a guy who didn't play at all last year. Probably would have been asked I mean, to be you, you know entering the battle. Miami, dude, like Miami needs one. Like, still, big, he probably would have been battling somebody though. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I guess that's probably the way I was kind of thinking about it. Like, you know, Emory Williams is a guy who showed some stuff last year. They're probably going to put him in a bit. Like he wanted to go somewhere, I think, where he was going to be promised like a starting position almost right away. And I think that's, you know, I, th- this is the only thing I like, I don't like about it is this kind of feels like the easy move for him. You know, I'm not sure if I like that from like a competitive standpoint either. It's not just go and try to earn your stripe somewhere else or, or even stay at USC where, you know, depending on who they bring in or if they go with Miller Moss, like who, who's to say we wouldn't have seen him halfway through the season. I just don't think that Lincoln Riley was was thinking he was ready to start the season i don't think he wanted him to leave like that's just my personal thought on it but you can't stop the guy from wanting to go try to start somewhere else i guess right it's g5 it's bad competition i have heard the word like the rumors behind scenes like boise State's trying to make the jump to the big 10 like mm-hmm. I, they're gearing up for a good season to make that jump the next year so he'll have like the power five tag maybe as a junior when they jump up if if they jump up um and yeah, I, I mean, opportunities there. The only, like, historically, the only player, I, I, this is kind of ironic, but the only player that I can remember, like, doing this was um, Khalil Shakir. He was, like, why is he over 20? And he chose to go to Boise. And, like, when he was asked in interviews, like, why did you choose Boise? And he's just like, I want to hit the field right away. Like, right away. Yeah. So, like, you know, he's a fifth-round pick, and I think he had a pretty good night last night. He's a rotational piece. Still my boy, but he's a rotational yeah. piece. So I, I don't know if this will, like, really work out on, like, the ceiling level. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it kills him, but, like, I'm not putting him in, like, my top 10. That's for sure. Probably top 20. And we're going to do – guys, there's a little sneak peek next week. We're going to do a ranking update. Me and Corey are going to talk about our rankings update. I haven't done mine for at least two months. Hoping for the transfer portal cool down, but – yeah, I'm not going to have enough. I just don't have a Boise, untested Boise State QB that high in the rankings like that. 
No, and we were talking about it a bit before the show too, where it's like, what are even the weapons there? Like, you know, they, they, we, we talked about Eric McAllister. They already lost him uh, this year trying to go somewhere else. Did he declare for the draft or is he transferring? I can't even remember what's happening. TCU, TCU. TCU, okay. He went to TCU, yeah. So there yeah. you go. Like Ashton Genty, the guy we were just talking about, it's probably his best weapon there. He was their second leading wide receiver this year. He comes back in as their leading well, uh, receiver in terms of production, like coming into this year. So There's it's still it's, like a few – sorry, cutting you off. There's still a few no, like interesting good. guys in the portal uh, like – I can't believe I'm about to say this. Like, there's still um, Brashard Smith is still in the porter for Miami. He beat six of the eight year one zero more. That's I that's how low we're going here. <laughs> I don't. He, I, I think he could scheme. I think Brashard Smith would be a great weapon to scheme touches, like a short yeah. area. Like I don't know, kind of how Virginia used Malik Washington. Mm-hmm. I think Brashard could like eat at the G five level. But like, there's still anyway. There's still plenty of mediocre talent that's left in the on three like in the portal that they, they can grab that that'll be more than serviceable i think yeah and we've got uh another interesting one here uh probably one of the bigger names to enter the transfer portal during this cycle uh former Ole miss running back quinshaw judkins um enters the portal and officially commits to ohio state just after the natty game here a um, lot of rumors swirling around this one this one was kind of a weird move to me how are you feeling about him you know entering the portal to begin with and ending up at Ohio state. Uh, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, he's looking like a head case, like the rumors. Yeah. yeah rumors. There's, there's quite a we'll bit. Never, of, yeah. yeah. These are rumors. Cause I, I'm not a part of the locker room, but like, you know, busting into like Lane Kevin's office, demanding how like he wants the offense to run and how stuff should change. And uh, there was a game too. I think you had it. There was like, there's a game where they actually took him off the field because it was just a distraction. Like Jackson. Dart yeah. Like he was, he was mouthing off. And they, apparently, apparently some of the stuff that I read was shortly after he received part of his NIL deal, I guess this year, um, apparently kind of went to his head a little bit and he started, you know, ver- being verbally aggressive with the offensive linemen when they weren't doing what he's wanting to, he was starting to yell at them in, in the huddle. Um, there was even a game apparently that Jackson dart went to the sideline, had to talk to Kiffin and be like, you need to get this guy to the game right now. He's way too much of a hothead right now. He's being disruptive in the, in the huddle. So a, a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Again, there's some people out there that want to point to, you know, this might be an Ole Miss smear job because they're kind of upset that he left. I don't know if I fully believe that. You know, this guy might just, just might be a little Lee, bit of a head case. But I don't uh, think Lee Kiffin's know. that dude. And yeah. and Jackson Dart posted on his Instagram story, posted a video of uh, as a cut up of Tom Brady during his public speaking stuff as a retired football player, of him saying, "Man, if you're about yourself, you might be amazing. I'd love to compete against you." Like Tom Brady talking about selfish players and how he wants to play against selfish players. So Jackson Dart put that out there, took it down, of course. Um, I don't know. A lot of this stuff just there's a lot of smoke. There's like too much smoke for there not to be some sort of fire, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, in this episode, we're going to go into like, you know, how some red flags actually could have been, you know, at, at least uh, something we should have paid attention to with some of the guys that we might have missed on going forward. Like, I don't know if this is something I need to include in this profile. If it's a red flag, I'm going to be keeping a watch out for it. At least I'm not doing anything drastic with it yet. I don't think he's a head case. But if there's more that comes out, you know, like Zach Evans is the guy we're going to talk about. If it keeps coming out that behind the scenes, he's being a little bit of like a head case or a little bit of a problem. And like, you know, I'm, it, it's something that I think uh, we need to, you know, keep an eye on at least going over to at least, you know, uh, I want to say ahead. one more thing about I'm sorry. One more thing. Uh, I am worried. Like I am a part of like, this is part of his profile to me now, like that. He yeah. is a little bit hot headed a future future Pittsburgh Steeler. Like, am I right? <laughs> yeah. <And> then, <laughs> but I'm like, this is going to be a player that I think like automatically now, like 
I'm going to get that one NFL contract out of him and I'm not sticking around for more. Like, I don't want to be a part of that downfall. I feel like that's going to be a vet that when he gets older, he's going to be demanding more and think he knows better than anybody else. I, anyway, I'm just saying it, he could be great. I think he's going to be great. I think he's still talented. So yeah. I don't really care for the short run. Um, but like, I'm probably after that first contract for the NFL, like he's definitely a hard sell for me. You're going to be too worried about it. I don't want to, I don't want to live through another Lev Moss. I had a lot of Lev Moss. I don't want to <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, there's some guys out there, even you know, like even Felix points to it that he doesn't even know if Judkins is really like you know a- athletically there for, to be an NFL running back. If he's really as good as he's typed up to be, he's propped him up as a sell a little bit. So I don't know if that's where this is kind of heading. But going to the other side of this, just just focusing on football here, okay? Leaving Ole Miss, heading over to Ohio State. Trav- Trayvon Henderson leaving. Uh, Evan Pryor has gone to Cincinnati. Um, Dallin Hayden is still there. Didn't get much of a touch. Mayan Williams has declared for the draft. So it is a very empty room right now. But like, I can't help but feel like, like Ole Miss was was set up better for him. I have a hard time believing like any running back in the transfer portal is getting like an, a million dollar NIL deal anywhere. I just think they're a dime a dozen. You're only getting this guy for like a year probably, and then he's heading off to the NFL. Like, I just don't believe that that is what happened here. So. To me, this is a, this is kind of a weird move to head over to Ohio State, a team that's going to kind of be like on a little bit of a rebuilding trail. You know, like they have a lot of young guys that are going to need to step up at wide receiver. They've got a new quarterback in Will Howard that I don't, who knows how that's going to all go all together. I just felt like Ole Miss, they were kind of loading up for another run here. They got grabbed some guys from the portal. They got a lot of guys back, Jackson Dart back, Trey Harris back. Like, I don't know. I just I, I felt like this was a, a pretty weird move for him in general. And speaking to the offensive line comment made earlier, Lane Kiffin today, Today tweeted like four hours ago. He quote tweeted the video of Derrick Henry thanking the entire staff, his O line, the whole like the whole fans, like his his friends thank you for being a Tennessee Titan. Lane Kiven tweeted, This is so awesome. I see he hasn't changed a bit with success. No wonder his O line loves him and that he <laughs> and that he just did that at all Alabama. Like his line loves him just a, like lo- a lot Alabama of shade being thrown and wants sure, to block yeah. for him. Like, yeah, it's Lane Kiffin's letting them know. Like O line didn't like him. So do you actually think, you know, going to Ohio State is is going to be better for his draft stock here in the long run? Or do you think like it's it's nil no matter what? Like it would have been fine at Ole Miss. It would have been fine here. Like it, it doesn't really change anything for you for his outlook. I think it's actually a slight improvement. If he had two like yeah, yeah, inefficient yeah. years because he was kind of inefficient this year. Like I think this is a nice reset. Um, so, yeah, because it was already downward trending. And I don't, you know, with this like reset, like you can just. Yeah, I think this is fine. This is almost like a slight stock up. It's only like a stock up because like you don't have to worry about the downfall. Yeah, I guess I'm a little less optimistic. I mean, Ohio State's going to figure it out in regardless. I mean, and maybe it's going to yeah. be focused around him while they're trying to work around all the other pieces and they just get a very veteran running back in there who knows what he's doing and they're just going to like ride him into the ground and, and focus on him. But I, I do feel like it's 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 kind of a weird move for me. I kind of, I thought Ole Miss was going to be better for him in the long run, but maybe, you know, I could be wrong on that too. Ohio State's has a, a great track record with running back. So probably overthinking it a little bit. He doesn't need to change his wardrobe, same colors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but guys, be sure to head over to the website at campuscanton.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to our draft guides that are going to be coming out soon. We're going to be starting our Debbie guide 
like I'm going to be starting like this week, even maybe. So uh, guys, keep an eye out for that. Uh, our supplemental draft guides also getting worked on right now. That should be coming out soon. Uh, we're going to have CFF projections for you guys. One of the only sites that do that, the advanced metric tools you guys see everywhere. Great stuff over at the website, including the brand new C2C winning edge. That's going to keep you up to date on all the school depth charts throughout the off season. Uh, the statistical projections that come along with it, the returning production that's going to be coming back to each team. It's probably the best source for the transfer portal out there as well. So make sure you guys are checking out our family of podcasts and the YouTube channel to help guide you guys through the off season. If, if you guys want to be, you know, the original Boise fan, you want to support Nelson going through this journey and trying to get Boise to the big 10. So you can sit there with your t-shirt that said Boise state, you know, make it like from super old school. You can get that from home field pro for 15% off with the promo code campus. Number two, Canton. I have never seen so many FSU fans in my entire life. than I have this year. So get ahead of the curve. You can be the original Boise State fan. Get your old retro t-shirt and be like, oh, yeah, Boise. I was sticking with them back in 2010. Yeah, believe it or not, 2010, me, Boise. You know, you can go ahead and buy those. You can buy those retro old school vintage t-shirts from Home Field Apparel. Have all the athletic gear. Not just football. You can do other sports, too. But we got you with the promo code of Campus, the number two in Canton, for 15% off your first purchase. Uh, So the Michigan... Washington game wrapped up national championship Michigan mm-hmm. love to see it I, you know I'm always a Jim Harbaugh fan <laughs> JJ McCarthy number one fan Jim Harbaugh yeah, fan. yeah yeah you're constantly saying quarterback that, yeah. in Michigan Michigan history no yeah. way anyway I mean the dude had 10 completions for 140 yards like it wasn't that great yeah I mean like yeah. it, it, but like they didn't they didn't ask him to do anything like I, I just feel like sometimes Michigan like Michigan when they get a lead in a game their general philosophy is like, we're not going to push it at all. We're going to run on the first two downs. If we need McCarthy to do something on third down, we'll ask him to do something. If we're close enough, we might even still run it on third down and see what happens. You know what I mean? But it's like, they just keep in this box and sheltered. That is the biggest question about his profile going forward is why he was sheltered. Is, is it just the team or is it something there that we need to worry about? I do love that they control tempo. I don't know if I saw a game this year where they didn't control the tempo or look like they were out of control of the tempo, you know? Um, I, I like I'm still and I am so solidified now that JJ McCarthy is a project. He's just been I actually want to pull up his stats last couple of weeks since the you know the actual schedule started coming out. But he he's done nothing to help his team or elevate his team. I'm not trying to say like a bad thing. I'm just saying he's not a first round pick. This is not a quarterback you start week one in the NFL or that you have as a franchise QB. Like this is a project. This is a project just like Malik Willis was a project, just like Will Levis was a project. You just hope he lands in a coaching system and a staff that you actually believe in. You know, like the Giants. I always use Brian Dable. But if he goes to Brian Dable, like mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of believe in him. It's Brian Dable. Like I, I'm going to believe in him. If he lands with Bill Belichick, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And even with like, a guy like Dable, you know, you still have Daniel Jones there. He could probably sit for a year. Or if Daniel Jones starts to struggle, you know, halfway through the season, then you bring him in or something like that. Like, that I could mean, actually be a, a winning small. games out there. Like, I think yeah, yeah. J.J. McCarthy can do that. Like, anyway. Tyrod like, Taylor. Didn't Tyrod Taylor just beat the Eagles or something like that this past weekend? I mean, they, they, he figures it out. He's a, he's a good coach, at least for quarterback. We saw what he did with Josh Allen and stuff like that, too. So, yeah, that could be a spot that I could see him succeeding. I do see some, like, some good things. Like, he had that throw to, I think it was Rowan Wilson in this game, where he laid it over, like, the defender almost perfectly and dropped it right in there yeah there's there's flashes there's flashes and then he also hit like a nice throw where the guy straight up dropped it like like he does have these flashes the problem is it's just completely inconsistent i just don't know like how to i don't know how to take that all in i think he's a day two pick project um i do like him a little bit more than other guys i see tools there i see clean mechanically i see uh the athleticism we saw some of the run game in this in this national championship as well i thought i thought it worked out well 
for him in that aspect as well. But yeah, I mean, the, the passing and, and the lack of, of putting the game on his shoulders is going to be the biggest question. One of the most polarizing options in this draft for sure. He's averaged 142 passing yards last six weeks yeah, or six brutal. games. It's, it's, that's so brutal. I mean, it's, it's bad. Statistically, it's bad. It's yeah. whatever. It's whatever. It's, I'm, I'm solidified on it. It's fine. I watched a mock draft on YouTube while I was at work today, by the way, that had 10 QBs going before round four. So let's, let's get on the other side of the field real quick. Let's just talk mm-hmm. about quarterbacks. And let's talk about Michael Penix. Michael Penix, who had people talking about, like, are you sure he's not the QB three in the class uh, <laughs> after his game against uh, Texas? Like mm. he he overthrew like everyone. Like his ball placement was actually atrocious. This is the worst ball placement I've seen from him since like Indiana. Like it Absolutely. was terrible. And this is um, one of the this is you do not want to see this from your quarterback in a sense. I felt like you know when everything's working well and he's in the game, he looks perfect. He he looks okay, and then like the throws look a little bit better. But in this game. The pressure got on, right? And not so much like I know the Michigan defense was was creating pressure, but they only got one sack in this game. He panicked. He crumbled under like the weight of needing to make something happen. And it was like throws off his back foot, throws throws, uh, just whipping it downfield. No touch, no placement at all. Like not even like like looking for a defensive PI, looking for somebody to bail him out down the field. Like you do not want to see your quarterback lose his composure like this. And that, that definitely scared me a little bit because it's like when the going gets tough, you want to see a guy maintain his poise, maintain that composure, and still be able to deliver the way we expect him to deliver like he did in the Texas game. And now he does this. It's like he, he crumbled, man. And that, that does not look good for going to the NFL where you're going to be facing a lot of pressure and a lot of people like bearing down on you constantly. So he's definitely looking like a, like a project at the next level. I don't know a project. I think we know what he is. I think he's a – pocket passer like needs he needs all he needs a, a well-built system around him he needs to go to a like a place already had a system built in he can't be in a startup yeah so do you do you're actually saying you would think he could be a starter at the next level actually yeah i do um yeah, okay. like a serviceable one like i don't know i'm trying to think like remember like travis like not travis excuse me davis mills like that, yeah like i think he can do better than davis mills did and he was a third round pick like i think yeah, if he's like a, a day two pick and like maybe he's a priority backup for a guy or like there's clear opportunity in front of him, like he's sitting behind, I don't know, Desmond Ritter. Like he can definitely be on Desmond Ritter. I think he's a better player than Desmond Ritter. So, um, yeah, I think he's serviceable, not ideal. Yeah, I think he does some good things. Like I like the pocket mobility, not so much in this game, but like in other games, he's had one of the best like pressure to or sack to pressure rates or or whatever. If I said said I might have said that backwards, <laughs> sack to pressure rates, whatever. Like in in college football over the past two years, he's he's got underrated mobility there. Um, I like the arm. I think the arm can hit all three levels. I just think like. I don't know. He's such a hardball thrower when the going gets tough, like the the, the touch goes out the window. And uh, like, I, I think there's more of their development that needs to be there. And that's hard to say for a guy that's this far into his career already. Like he's, he's old for, for quarterback terms he- heading into what, what this is, this is his sixth year or is this his fifth? Yeah, year? This was, this was his sixth year. This was his sixth year. Right. So, I mean, yeah. So I don't even know how much more development we can expect, but I kind of picture this like a Hendon hooker thing where it's like, even though he's old in, in terms of like an age number, I still think there's development that needs to happen at the next level. Like, I don't know if he, I don't know if I expect him to be a starter at the next level, at least in like year one or year two. I don't believe in teaching old dogs new tricks either. Yeah. yeah it's, so it's I really like, it. you got to have like a Joe Burrow type season. If you're yeah. like, and I mean, and we're, we're focusing on this game here. Like we will say like in Texas, that is the best, like I've ever seen Penix play. 
you know, and in this one, it's probably the worst that we've seen Penix play all, off all season. So Good really price. like the like, answer, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, right. Of, of who we, he actually is, which is like what he kind of was like throughout the season. You know, sometimes he would miss, sometimes he'd nail it. You know, I, I just think we saw both sides of the spectrum here, which is going to like, and, and you know, with the lasting taste he left in everybody's mouth with this game, it's going to leave everybody thinking like he's, he's a terrible quarterback or something. Like, I don't believe he's a terrible quarterback. I just think we saw the complete downside of him. This is the bad side of Michael Penix that we saw today. He threw two picks, but like the last pick was also like when he was hurt, banged up. Like yeah, yeah, line. yeah. I, I think I can let that one go. Like he he showed he did show some toughness, some grit. Like he he there he might have been playing with a broken rib. Like that might be actually what was happening at the end of that game because like every throw, like he was wincing, holding onto that side, like couldn't even like get up. Like unless he's just putting yeah. on a show trying to make it look tough. I mean, <laughs> he might have been, but but yeah. The the Xavier Worthy. Oh, I broke my hand actually. My hand. Yeah, yeah. That's why I couldn't catch. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't catch my hand broken. <laughs> We're not there yet, and we're not ready for this discussion. But I was thinking about during the twelve-team playoff, like when we still see players sit out the playoff. You know, like if they're like a late seed, like if they're like a ten seed, and they're like, I don't really think we can beat Bama this year. Yeah. That's a that's a that's an interesting question, but I don't. I still think people are just going to go. Our guys are going to go for it. I'm hoping that at least this twelve-team playoff is going to keep more guys actually playing. Yeah, because it's a dream to win the national championship, but like to win like the tax slayer bowl, you're like whatever. Yeah, yeah, like who, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they care a little more about the pop tarp or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, like in general, in going on to other parts of this game, like I can't, like Penix got no help from the run game in this one. Running back Dylan Johnson, like obviously injured, playing at like seventy percent. They're trying to toss him out there, and then no other running back could step up. So they really had no running game at all whatsoever. The defense could kind of pin their ears back, force pressure, and the defense was just locking them up man to man down the field. I mean. We can even talk about like the wide receivers in a little bit here, but I just thought like they had no rushing game whatsoever. And then he, go yeah, ahead. The the backup Tybo Rogers, he's super tiny too. Like couldn't even help yeah. out in the pass blocking. I mean, you know, he's a very small speed bump, but for the most part, like really wasn't helping out in the pass blocking. Like Yeah, and this was the Washington offensive line that like won the I I forget the name of the award, but like the best offensive Joe line Moore. in the country this year. Yeah. The Joe Moore award, yeah. Yeah. So they won the best offensive line. Like, I don't know. I they, they weren't really popping holes for these guys unless it was more of the running back issue than the offensive line issue. But still, like there was just there was no help here for Penix. Michigan was also a finalist, one of the last four teams. They won it the last two years prior to, so maybe they yeah. just voted for somebody else but Michigan's offensive line was yeah they had something they had something to prove here which they did like going to the other side of the ball here like two rushers over 100 yards we saw Blake Corum like we we know like if you guys have listened to the show you know our take on Blake Corum like we you know he was picking up some solid yardage you saw we saw him break away on that one long run chase down pretty quickly yards. yeah <laughs> chase down on that run pretty quickly by the way the defense caught up to him pretty good and that's one of the things we harp on we do not think that he's like super athletic or super fast but he was picking up some of those tough yards I do think there's some solid vision around the line I just I still don't see this guy as like a day two pick I see this guy as like I've said it a million times. He's fancy Chase Brown. He's, he's Chase Brown with a with a national championship now. Like that's that's what I that's what I kind of figure with him. But I did want to get your opinion on on Mr. Donovan Edwards here, who had, had a had a had a very nice game. I guess we can say it's a nice game. Uh, what were your takes on some of his his big plays here? I think he did enough to stick around. I really thought he had to hit the portal. Like I was like, he's gonna mm-hmm. be chased out. Like they're gonna be like, hey, you gotta go. Like it's not it's not it's not you it's us we think we can do better without you like i really thought like that was how it's gonna be for him yeah um, no he looked like fast this is kind of like what he did the last two years he was just all about speed like it wasn't like a lot of like good running like we always told him like yes. he was not a good pure rusher so this was like a lot of like open lanes and passing stuff his pass catching is just like a, a really bad drop this game so i don't know what happened to his pass catching but 
at least this revitalized the like, oh, he can win around the edge because I don't know, dude. I I think he this performance saved him. Like he's gonna be talked about now in the off season. Like as mm. guys gonna bounce back. He didn't have this like two whatever long rushes of thirty yards for I think what he had two touchdowns on his nine. Yeah, games? he had like a sixty yard run, which was like the longest rushing play for Michigan this year actually. And then uh, and then he had like a thirty yard run or something like that as well. And I I will say like just watching it like. I don't know if you can get if you, like this offensive line did work for him because he the run was designed both times to go interior and then he would run like almost run back into his offensive line and run to the back of his offensive line and be like oh wait there's like nobody here to the left and then just like run to the left and fucking run all the way down the field then like the same thing almost happened on the second touch on the third yard one it's like run ran he paused for a second noticed there was no avenue to go interior busted out to the right side used the speed and went all the way like nobody could catch it like it was the speed really that was winning but like i can't say like i really saw anything from a vision standpoint here like the interior running is just not really there for him still maybe if he comes back you know we can see a little bit more of, of him as the lead guy i did think it was kind of interesting that you know i haven't looked into this guy as much and he did receive less rushes but keith mullings was actually like the first running back to get yes. secondary touches in this game yeah. So like I don't know, I don't know if he was starting to fall out of favor, but then he broke the big runs, and they were like, okay, well he's got something going here, let's go. But last two weeks actually, I'm pretty sure Keith Mullins was actually the RB two coming into the game, and then you know it ended up a little bit different by the end of it. But it's like I don't know, were they losing faith in him a little bit? I don't know. He definitely didn't have a great season this year. I believe so. I, like statistically speaking, it was a really terrible season, like four point two yards per carry. I think this is including his national performance game. Like it. Mm-hmm. 2.6 yards after contact, which is actually the same as Blake Quorum on the year. It, yeah, anyway, I, I do think... brutal numbers for those guys. <laughs> dude, it is. And six of yeah. his 14 missed tackles forced against Penn State. Like Besides that, though, like he had one the last since week six. Yeah. Since week six, he had one outside. Of, anyway, yeah, I, I think this saved him, and this makes you have to question if he's bad or not. But like, if this game didn't happen, you'd be like, yeah, he, they can move on. Like it's, they're not missing out. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure he raised his stock with this one. He's going to be a hot pick next year, especially if he sticks with Michigan. But I don't know. Transfer portal, not out of the question. I don't even know. Is NFL draft out of the question for him? Do you think he tries to take this hype and goes? Like, he was in a lot of people. Like, Dane, Dane Brugler no. had him, like, top five if, entering the season. Do you think he's he's not even going to bother trying now? No, I don't. Yeah, because I remember him being mad about Blake coming back. Because like, it was my time to shine, Blake. Like, mm-hmm. he was kind of vocal about that, like, on, on podcasts and stuff. So I think he's going to view the next year as like all right this is my time to shine like he's waiting for that moment so yeah i think he's gonna use this to build off of i would agree with you i don't think he enters there were some people that brought that up like maybe he takes like this hype in some of the chats i was talking about but i was like he's just not there the minute that these guys get a look at the tape and see like the vision issues that he still has he's just a very raw athletic guy the size still isn't even there like he's only like 200 205 pounds so i mean there's still a lot there to 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 work with him i was hoping we would have seen more development from this point but now we're entering fourth Fourth season with more questions than answers, really, when it comes to when it comes to Donovan Edwards. Uh, we already talked about Roman Wilson. There really wasn't anything else to talk about from the pass catcher standpoint, like at all. Like no, Mich- especially on the Michigan side, there wasn't. Like no. I thought, I thought Loveland looked good, kind of. Like he he had that one catch where he actually showed a little bit more juice than I even thought he had, where he yeah. kind of broke free a little bit. But yeah, yeah, he, possibly a tight end. At least we need to watch out for going into next. Shout year. out to to JJ only throwing ten passes, making our job easy to skip. Yeah, exactly. Had to focus on a few select guys here. Like nobody yeah. caught more than three passes in this game. Like is or, or in on the Michigan side at least. But at least heading over to the Washington side, like. 
Odunze has been kind of a guy, you know, we were, you know, we've been wishy-washy on. I think entering the season after we watched him a little bit more, we started to like him a lot more. What did you think about his his overall performance in this game? I got, I thought he got locked down. I wish I had the mm. corner's name in front of me. I know it was Wallace, number 12 for uh, Michigan. Um, Like that, whatever that corner is, I'm actually going to dig into him for the NFL draft. I don't know if he's eligible or not. Josh Wallace, Josh Wallace, I believe is that's who it was. Yeah. I thought he locked him down. I thought it was all good. Like uh, Roman Duse had like one, Busted coverage play. He also had another one too, where was just missed wide open. Yeah, Penix really... missed him, missed him wide open. Like I would say that he did get open sometimes, and like there was, there was, I would say NFL separation here sometimes, where it's like he maybe had a slight step on the guy, like he was like a body, uh, like okay. a body yeah. in front of the guy, like not a full step, but like his body was just in front of the guy. And those are the throws like you got to hit when you get to like the NFL or whatever. But Penix was just off, and there was nothing. I also saw like I don't know if he was trying to ad lib a little bit and just kind of create separation for himself, but like he had some of these vertical routes down the hash, and then he was trying to like slowly break it off towards like the sideline. I don't know if Penix was expecting him to do that because it looked like Penix was giving him a straight shot down the hash, and like he was trying to break it off to get a little bit more separation from the guy, create a little bit more of a window, maybe trying to help Penix out. But regardless, these two were just off their game a little bit like that you know i don't know if this really writes any kind of like like lesson to be learned for odunze i still think he's a fine player i still think you know there's chance i like he's not like a crazy athletic freak i don't think he's despite what what mr odunze his father might tell us (laughs) but i don't think he's like an athletic freak and i think you know we saw it in this game he wasn't like busting away from everybody i think like there's going to be tougher times that's why i think like my comparison of Cortland sutton actually fits him perfectly like this is this is the kind of player he is i think yeah i don't think it's just like i I don't want to say he was exposed, but like people that want to say, oh, he's like a, one of the top route runners in his class. He's not. I, I didn't I yeah. didn't see that at all this game. I think this game really showcased it too. Um, in the past, I haven't seen it the last couple games here during this playoff stretch, but like Washington runs this play where like, you know how we used to like talk about the triple stack that Tennessee does on one side of the field? Yeah. Washington does this like double stack on each side. And usually Odunze lines up behind Polk and it's yeah. like a free release and that's what he does. I only saw that once, and the one time they ran it, I think Odunze actually got a reception off of. But I, I, I do think with this game, like I, I don't think he's a separator. Like he's not, he's not bad. He's not bad. I'm just saying, like no. I would never classify him as a route runner and a separator. Uh, I want to talk about Jalen McMillan here. He actually led the core with 11 targets. He only got nine receptions for 33 yards and one touchdown. I, I just, if Penix would have stopped throwing the ball behind him or over him, but like he was getting the hands, the fingertips on him. Like, well, not even full hand. He was getting the fingertips on him. Or I, I, I just, I still think the community is too low on Jalen McMillan and this game would have been great. Cause I saw, I saw him open over the middle all the time. Like he was yeah. open all the time. It's just, he, Penny's couldn't operate with that pressure in his face. It, they, the pass was yeah. just too strong for him. It's kind of like the Emeka Igbuka, like, what have you done for me lately? Where, like, he's kind of getting forgotten. And, like, Jalen McMillan, because he spent, like, a bunch of the year injured and Polk ended up becoming, like, the main guy to go off for, like, a bunch of yards. Like, everybody's thinking Polk should be drafted first. But I'm with you. Like, I think Jalen McMillan suits the NFL better. I think he suits fantasy teams better. I think he could be a more versatile asset, can play in the slot, can actually be a separator. Like, you know, like, I I, I call him, like, a like a store brand version of Emeka Igbuka, who I – comp to chris godwin like i think they're that's the spectrum of player here that we're saying we're seeing like and i think he can do a lot of things at the nfl level like i don't know if he's super elite at anything but i think he's really good at a lot of things i think he's a starting possession receiver in the nfl like yeah. today if he wants to go to the draft tomorrow i think that's what his role is going to be i would be upset if he comes back actually for another year yeah um, but looking at the looking at the guy that did replace him for most of the season though jalen polk a lot of guys yes. hyping him up now um had a nice season here but i think me and you've been pretty pretty in consensus as to how we feel about Polk. Uh, 
what were your takeaways from this game? How do you feel about him as a, as a player? Yeah, I just think he's a jump ball guy. Um, mm. I don't think that really works against like, I, I don't like Jim Harbaugh because Jim Harbaugh just takes skill position players and doesn't develop them. He hasn't developed JJ McCarthy. He hasn't developed his wide receivers. He hasn't developed his running backs. Um, they just haven't done it at all. But, but what he does though, with like the, like the line play, the, the corners, the non-skill position groups that we care about for fantasy. I think Jim Harbaugh is one of the best, one of the best at getting those guys developed. And I thought these corners really put it on display. Polk is this 50, 50 ball jump ball guy. He's only six foot two, 200. So he's not really physically imposing, but one of the best ball trackers, one of the best hands. Um, he's just like a subpar athlete. He's literally how we talked about Dorian Singer last year. Like that's, yeah. I, I just, I view him as a lesser version of like Tylen Wallace. I think that's who he is. I think he's going to get, I, I have him as like a mid day three. I think I'm dropping my grades tomorrow. Actually, as you guys are listening to this, I'll probably drop my grades on Twitter p- tomorrow. Um, I think he'll probably get overdrafted. I don't think he does anything in the NFL. It's not. His yeah. I, I do think there's elements like to this Washington offense that are similar to like even Tennessee's offense where it's like, it's a lot of fluff pre-play. You know, you're going to stack guys together. You're going to motion guys like crazy. You're going to so set up in one set up in one play motion to another play. And I think a lot of that is to try to throw defense off, but it's like a cheap way to try to throw defense off when you're play, facing a defense like Michigan or like when we've seen Tennessee play good defenses, like they stop falling for that stuff. Like, yeah, it works against like 80% of the league. Who's like not very like good off defensively, like struggles with, with uh, passing off assignments and stuff like that and coverage but when you get a good defense that can actually like lock down on this stuff and not get like so you know worked up from the from the motions from a lot of the fluff you see you know you see guys locked down and i think like like i don't think the play calls are that crazy i don't think the play designs are that crazy it's just a lot of fluff and i think like sometimes these offenses get exposed when you're when you're playing good defenses washington came out with this gimmicky offense the first drive of the play maybe that was them trying to see what looks michigan's taking them on defense but for the most part, I always think whoever dominates the trends is going to win the game. I think Michigan just came out. They were better. They were better at every single level of the field. Maybe not quarterback. Yeah. No, neither quarterback was really impressive. <laughs> but, like, everything else, though, like, I had to give, like, Michigan a really, really good job. All right, Corey, let's get into it. Let's talk about this new year, new me. Talk about the mistakes we made along the way. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. <laughs> never, never, <laughs> never. Um, but let's let's start with the 2023 running back class, right? So uh, everyone in their mom, well, everyone except for Felix. Now there's some people out there that wanted to be clickbaity, but everyone pretty much had Bijan RB one, right? There's a few mm-hmm. out there that was like, "What about Jameer Gibbs? Could be RB 2 Um, I just want to ask you, do you, do you still consider Bijan RB one this class, or are you uh, having some buyers from Morris and kind of wish you'd pick Jameer Gibbs? No, absolutely not. I really think this is a situation-based thing or whatever. I don't know why Arthur Smith is deciding to put, you know, Cordell Patterson out there or sorry to your boy, Tyler Edgilbert. I mean, like they just, they just were not even close to as dynamic as when you got the ball into Bijan's hands. Um, you know, I know we saw a lot from from Gibbs this year as well down the stretch. He looked really good, but you know, and that's really something going forward. I think, you know, especially with the way running back value is going that, um, it, it's going to be really hard to bet on any running back, even being a day two selection without some type of elite profile. And, and Bijan had it, you know, he had, he had the ridiculous hands as a wide receiver. We've seen that transition to the next level as well. Very similar even to last year to the way Brees Hall transitioned. He was a very good wide uh, receiver as well. Bijan might even be a step above that as that. Um, I will say that I'm pretty glad that we stood strong, like, uh, together here as Gibbs being running back to pre-draft. I know that's not really a bold take, but it is one, I will say that some analysts were doubting a little bit, you know, given the slight frame, um, given the lack of uh, rushing production at times, you know, um, throughout his career over at Georgia Tech. Um, But 
Gibbs is just one of those guys that I think he popped to the eye test rust, um, especially, and even surprised me with how well he tested. Like I knew, I knew he was fast and quick. I, I didn't know if I expected him to hit four threes. Um, and it took a little bit this year for the Lions to give him like the touches he deserves, but like over the back half of the season, dynamic every time we touch the ball. So really happy with the way I think both the top guys worked out here for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge sizes. I'm straight up like, big sizes, yeah. but like even I had Gibbs at number two. So, but I, I'm sticking sticking with Bijan RB one. I think it's just misuse by the head yes. coach, and so does yeah. the whole world. Everyone does. Uh, people that don't even know football believe that too. I bet Taylor Swift <laughs> thinks that he was misused. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, so Arthur Arthur's gone. So we'll we'll hopefully see a big uptick there. So anyway. I'm starting to think that situation matters. Like, you know, situation matters. Oh, you and, just like, started to think that now. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, You know, I think that always, but like, I'm starting to think like maybe I should care even more about it because yeah, you know, like I I've always been saying for like the bills, like they need a power back because they can't just keep running their QB one into the pile, you know, like straightforward, mm-hmm. just grinding them in there. Josh Allen can't keep doing that. And James Cook is just not built for that. But James Cook had a fine year. Yeah. Um, Didn't really like, you know, it, it's, Anyway, I think in Devin Ochkin too, like he's he's guy that we're gonna talk about here in a second. But like another undersized guy that like me and you were talking about, like he needs to go to the right scheme. Like he needs to go to coach can be creative and use him and and he did just that. Um, but one guy we both had in our top five or six entering the season was former TCU slash Ole Miss running back Zach Evans. Zach Evans, dude. Zach Evans had a great <laughs> yeah. year and was even as high as top three for some people. Definitely was me. Uh but he really fell short in the NFL draft. So I just want to ask if you learned anything from Zach Evans. Cause I, I had him, I want to say probably top six, top seven going into the draft. But like, I was still like, I was holding firm for a very long time. Like one of the yeah. last groups of, of believers. Yeah. I, I definitely think he's an interesting case study. Um, a guy that maybe we held on to priors too long, but I, I also think that we could have put too much weight um on the small sample sizes uh, and not enough weight on like how much of a head case he seemed to be behind the scenes. Um, and even the overall lack of a production profile, like, you know, like he didn't rush for over 650 yards till his last year um, was rumored to be constantly saving himself for the NFL wanted that split backfield. Then his last season, he got his wish for that split backfield transferred to Ole Miss. And, you know, he was outperformed by a freshman running back. It was his most productive season on tape. And I think it actually might've been his worst from you know a vision standpoint, there was a lot of more instances of missing holes, uh, just barreling into guys on occasion, inviting contact that maybe he could have avoided, and, and you know maybe we should have put more weight on that after seeing what he could do on a much larger sample size. I think, uh, but even with how like running back uh, how running backs are valued nowadays in the NFL, like nobody needs to take a chance on a head case guy who seems to have some 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 trouble behind the scenes as well, bumping heads with. Uh, with the front office as well, about his usage and whatever. Nobody needs to waste your time with a head case like that. And when the production, when there's a lot more guys with a good production profile there, uh, a lot more capable backs at the next level, where I just don't think that this, a guy like this is really going to get, you know, the shot that even, even if we think there's something there that, that he might deserve at the next level. I just, I think that's something that I'm going to keep in mind going forward. Yeah. I think, you know, that there's these small sample sizes. It's fine. If you want to like project at like a younger age, talking about like, the freshman sophomores but like you gotta put it on tape at like more than an inconsistent level because we have to, I, I kept talking about like the flashes and how there's he still showcases like some brilliance here and there yeah. um but yes i would need like consistency out of running backs so yeah i i think that's a lesson learned so you're just not getting wrapped up in that like early profile 
we have to like we have to adjust our expectations and get harder with our expectations the closer we get to the NFL draft time. You can't just say, oh, well, he's flashed. Like that's cool for a freshman and sophomore, but if you're going to the NFL, like you need to do more than just flash. And like these backups too, like it's it's you know, I don't Kyron Williams was RB seven this year. He was like a nobody to start off the season. Like it's this yeah. year's RB class has been just like producers are just wild. So it's and, and even looking at that too, like talking about Kyron Williams, talking about that whole situation, there was ample opportunity there for Zach Evans to make an impression. Not to mention like Kyron Williams got hurt halfway through the year or whatever, missed four weeks. And like, who did they, they call Daryl Henderson off the couch? And what's his name? Royce Freeman off the couch instead of even giving Zach Evans a chance. Like, I think this is just, you know, this is definitely a learning, learning situation here that we can uh, <laughs> forget guys like this a little more often. Yeah. And like, just uh, like moving on to the next one though, like, Situation plays a big role. We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I, no one had a better spot than Devin Ochin. Devin Ochin gets drafted by the Dolphins. He just goes to Mike McDaniels, who's all about speed. And we all know Devin Ochin is an actual like track star, like just mm-hmm. like locked in. Um, I think I had him like certainly didn't have him top three. I know that, but I think I had him like <laughs> somewhere on like five, six, seven. Clearly, I didn't have any shares of him in Dynasty because people were taking him in the first. And I was looking for him in the yeah. second. So I missed out and clearly was too low because I think he's been relatively productive and he's definitely hit like, I don't want to say a ceiling, but like this is the best possible outcome. We are, we are living in Devin Ochain's best possible outcome. So how, how would you re-rank him now? Like, would you, knowing what you know, like knowing what you know today, would you have him be like RB3 probably in the class? I think he definitely end up as a top five guy for me. Like my five last year, um, Bijan Gibbs, Charbonnet, um, with Charbonnet, I'm even kind of worried, like with Walker around. Like Walker didn't show anything negative this year, and looks like his transition to the NFL is like working out fine. Seattle likes to even ride him with his healthy. So it's like, you know, and Walker got injured this year too. Did Charbs didn't even really shine? So there's a possibility that he ends up even a top four guy for me. I I will say this with with Devon um hn now i guess we should really be saying actually i don't that yeah. sounds so weird to me that sounds so weird to me <laughs> but anyways i guess hn um most of his touches or a lot of them anyways they came in blow situations this year late game situations opposing teams already packing it in um he did flash in competitive moments as well but there is some tendency there at least i feel like to still try to bounce outside with that speed um, that, in, that interior vision going to be something that continues to develop the further he goes. But like we were talking about, really ended up in a perfect situation. Mike McDaniels knows how to use these speedbacks, doesn't ask them to just, you know, hit truck sticks up the middle or anything like that. You know, he takes advantage of their speed. It's a home run landing spot for, for his skill set. One that might not have been so fruitful if he ended up with a different team somewhere else. You know what I mean? Which is something that we harped on a lot, that the situation was going to be key in where where a chain a chan ended up. So his situation was going to matter up. He needed the right play caller to utilize him properly. I will say this, though. Part of the profile I don't like undersized running backs is that there is a study that correlates size to injury. Mm-hmm. And A-chan missed a lot of playing time. Dude, he did. Dude. I remember even I remember even saying that in the chat group that it was like he is not doing well right now for the the narrative that smaller backs get injured because he got actually got injured a lot this year. Yeah, I think he missed eight games. Now that's like a bye. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep. See, I can count. All right. Anyway, seven games in this <laughs> to injury and one to buy yeah. a bye week in there, too. So like he's definitely cooking for a few of those weeks. But even after his injury, like definitely slow coming back. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. I. I felt like the profile was fine and we had his profile down right. Maybe we just undervalued the skill set. Uh, but it, yeah, it, he's definitely a rotate. I, I don't think I've ever, I, 
even looking back at it now, I'm sorry. I'm like going back my word now. Like, would I have spent a first round pick if this is when we get each year? Like, I think I'd rather him be like a second round pick because I can only use him for what, a couple weeks out of the year. Right. Well, I think that the general perception is that Raheem Mostert's not long for this team. He will eventually be, take over that role and become the number one guy. And Mostert, for what it's worth, has not been a healthy guy either, but he still manages oh. to keep being a pretty productive guy, at least in these systems. And Mike McDaniels, yeah. which we followed from San Francisco. like So it's like that's really like what I think we're putting a lot on is the system here. And then he'll, he'll find a way to – I mean, Raheem Mostert led the NFL in touchdowns this year. Like Even though, even if the yardage wasn't always there. And he still used multiple backs, which I think is always going to be in a chance like outlook. There, he should always be a committee guy you shouldn't be relying on him to be like a 20 touch guy so i still i'm i'm optimistic at least about the situation here with miami at least more than i would have been say he landed with like houston or landed with like somewhere else that was going to ask him to be more than that you know i think i'm comfortable that he's not he's not going to be asked to be do more than i think he's capable of i still like looking back though i would have had him above zach charbonnet that's a mistake i think i still would have loved kendra kendra had a good night last night he's been hurt like all year hasn't really been healthy yeah. Um, definitely would have had him above Zach Evans. I don't think I did around draft time. I'm not super confident in that statement, but I don't think I did. So, yeah. uh, but I would have had him at RB three or four. Well, let's even flip that there. Like we we might have missed there with with um with a chain a little bit, maybe a little bit low on him. But we are both pretty big on on Kendry Miller ending up you know as a top five running back for both of us. Um, how are you feeling about that after year one? Are you still feeling pretty confident in his transition to to the next level? Uh, this last game gave me a little bit more confidence. Mm-hmm, if we didn't have mm-hmm. this game, week 18, I definitely would have been very, very nervous. Yeah. Um, he would have been, uh, he would have been a value pickup though. Somebody you could have like tossed in like trades or whatever, like the back of a trade. Now it's like, I think everybody is like just thinking he's going to be the next guy or something after this game. I do keep throwing out trade offers for him in my home. Yeah. The issue is that that guy listens to my podcast now. So <laughs> Shout out to Spencer, but <laughs> I, I did. I offered him like a super late second. I was like, let me just get him. Cause I need a running back help anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Kendrick's injury though, like we don't, I, I, I want to say like a word of caution on these players that are going into the draft and into their rookie year with an injury designation. Cause I think the first year is so important and so key mm-hmm. for like players transitioning, like games be wise from college to the NFL level. And we start just behind the eight ball. I feel like it's just super hard to catch up. I mean, Jameson Williams was somebody we were all excited about. He like didn't get to play the whole first year and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. So Kendry getting some touches here makes me feel pretty good about it. Um, Jonathan Brooks, like I'm nervous about Jonathan Brooks coming up. Yep. Uh, who I'll probably have ranked probably around RB5, like in that area, same territory. Like it's, yeah. So I, I'm not feeling bad about it yet. Um, but yeah, I'm not feeling bad about it yet. I'm not super confident, but Alvin Kamara is getting older. He's aging out. Jamal Williams is already old and inefficient. Always has been, honestly. Uh, so I do feel like better days are ahead for Kendrick Miller in a buy low, like you said. How are, yeah. how are you feeling about him? I don't know. He could be, he could be a guy that's at least in the mix to be the running back one for this team next year. And I mean, talking even about this last week that just happened, he went 73 yards on 13 carries and a touchdown. Look, he had that like spinning extension to the, to the, uh, to the end zone there for on one of his touchdowns, like really made like something out of nothing there. Like even the broadcasts I've listened to for Saint games for uh, Saints games, they continue to talk about how much the new Orleans staff likes him sees him as a future piece. Like, uh, you know, I could see Kendra getting a really solid look entering training camp next season. So I'm still relatively high there. I think there's a lot of upside there. And this is one of those cases, I think, like Jaquin and Jackson, like we just talked about, where we banked on a small sample size that we thought we saw something there um, during that second year at TCU, backing up, you know, Jack Evans that we just talked about. He looked great. The advanced metrics look great. But 
he had a lot of people questioning if he was going to, you know, do anything. If he, if he should be a guy they were that we should uh, invest in. A lot of people thought it was going to be another split backfield. Um, but he did the opposite of Jaquinn Jackson. He blew up in that third, in that, um, in that final season at TCU became a third round pick as a relatively unknown recruit. And that's why I say like, I don't hate our process when it came to Jaquin and Jackson or even like Byron Cardwell a couple of years ago or whatever. It's just with the, these smaller sample size players, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but in this case, I'm still pretty optimistic with Kendra, at least going forward into the NFL here. He had a 31 yard catch against Chicago. He also had another really big sideline grab. I think during the preseason football, there's like yeah. stuff that he does that really wasn't like, like I thought he was a fine pass catcher. In, yeah, in yeah. But it wasn't something like, like huge in his profile. Like, like yeah. a sideline 30-yard bomb, like the yeah. NFL level. Like as a tw- he's I think he's I think he just recently turned 21, like like a month or two yeah, ago. This like, year he's he still was super great. young. Yeah. So I, I think there's better days ahead, and there's no it doesn't look like New Orleans Saints are gonna be like adding anything to the backfield. So I still feel good about opportunity. I would be nervous if everyone like Every professional was like, oh, yeah, they're going to grab an RB next draft. It's not even a good RB draft, actually. But anyway, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. actually, the more we talk about it, the more I feel like it's good by low. A little bit of burst, a little bit of a – yeah, I like this. Sorry. I like him. Mm-hmm. Listen on to the wide receiver group, right? Um, listen on to the wide receiver group, right? We had a really solid consensus of top three. Jason, Addison, and, and QJ, possibly, unfortunately. <laughs> we'll see here. I just want to ask you, do you uh, – like, what can we take away from QJ's rankings and, like, how do we feel about all three of these guys moving forward? Yeah, like, I think when we look at Quentin Johnson, like, his flashy moments were really flashy. And I think sometimes that's sad in our heads. Almost like Keon Coleman this year, right? Like, I think a lot of people just remember those flashy moments and, like, love it. But, like, there's a lot of parts that were very inconsistent. I think sometimes we're pointing to things like, you know, Max Dugan sucks. He's not a good quarterback for Johnson still set. He can't hit him down the field. He can't put a good arc on the ball for him to, to, to catch it. He's putting him in worse situations and then would be better with a better quarterback. But maybe we should have put more of that inconsistency on QJ himself. Like, and he wasn't really the type of athlete that we thought he could be, you know, but TCU kept using him on screen games and, and end arounds and whatnot. And you saw some of that potential there from like an athletic standpoint, from a movement standpoint, he was kind of fluid with his movements, made your eyes light up a little bit, you know, when you're watching him if you squinted really hard, you could see shades of like Martavis Bryant here. And it was like, he's going to be like the next guy who can do some of this stuff, but to be someone with who, who excels with that kind of skill set, that kind of role at the next level, you need consistent hands. And that's a part of the profile that I really wish I put more emphasis on because they were great at times. There's times like even that Oklahoma game is last year, um, his draft year where he caught like three touchdowns and was like mossing people all over the game. Great at times, but wildly inconsistent, dropping balls, um, you know, concentration drops. So I think there were some signs there that could have actually helped us not buy in so hard, but it was also a pretty shaky class. And we maybe gave him an unfair bump for being one of the guys with size as well. That was something that was missing from the top of this class. Yes, so I think there was, there yeah. were maybe some reasons that we were bumping him up that we probably shouldn't have looking back on it now. He was the only one that was like alpha sized. And this is going to be the last year. This is going to be the last, no, not this year, last year. Sorry. Last year will be <laughs> the last time that I'm like over ranking these raw athletes. I just, I've been saying this, I think on and off this season about like, when you say the word raw, like, I don't know. I can, now I'm scared. It's no longer, again, yeah. it's no longer about having these athletes. It's all about refinement. And like you said, we would, we did not focus on the hands that much. Didn't really focus on the route running either. It's more about like his size, athleticism, and his ability to turn, which is what really drew me to him. And I don't, I don't really fully remember if I was vocal about this. I knew I was down the stretch. I just don't know if I was on the podcast. But so I don't want to be disingenuous. It's all about being honest. But I, I think I knew going into my rookie drafts 
that like QJ was a lottery ticket. Like he's going to be a stud yeah. or he's going to be nothing. Uh, so um, once like he went to the NFL, we got to see more tape of his route running. Cause I also something I really didn't really look at too much. Cause he's six foot four. Like I don't expect six foot four guys to be able to like really sink their hips and like do all these double moves with quick footwork. But like, he was still kind of like athletic and fluid and like flexible. So I thought he could get there, but no, his routes were terrible. Like, I remember watching clips of Chargers doing his like comeback routes. And it's taking him like six or seven steps to turn around. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's taking him way yeah. too many steps to turn around. Like it's just like some of these routes are bad. And I really thought he could transition to that Mike Williams role. Like that's what I was hoping to get, like Mike Williams. But yeah, we're expecting like him to take that role. He needs to have good hands, which is what you're just saying that we didn't really focus on. So this is definitely this is definitely a fumble, but I think I knew when I was drafting him what I, what like the spectrum was. Yeah, it was a tough one. And then even talking about, you know, like JSN and Addison, both having him at the top here as well. Like, I don't know. I think there were moments in time. We even talked about it where we felt shaky about the top of this class. Like just how everything was going. We were kind of worried about JSN's athleticism, his slot only role, Jordan Addison's size. He's a very small guy. You know, there, I thought Jordan Addison was maybe going to work better as a wide receiver too in, in an NFL offense yes, and yeah. as a complimentary player. And, and thankfully, that's exactly where he ended up is where with the Vikings, where he can be the number two to um, Justin Jefferson. And, and I think that that can work for them. We saw him flash this past week and catching a long touchdown. We even saw him flash a little bit when Justin Jefferson was out. So I will give him some credibility for maybe being more than I gave him credit for. But he he definitely stepped up when he had to step up. And JSN, like, I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Lockett. He still looks. I don't know how this guy is like the ageless wonder, but he still looks good year after like, what is he 31 now? And every year everybody's yeah, telling me to not, not to buy into Lockett anymore. And he still produces at like a weekly level, every level. So when Lockett eventually moves on, I'm going to feel a lot better about JSN because he finally flashed down the stretcher. I mean, in the beginning it was looking a little bit worrisome, but down the stretch, he definitely started to flash a little bit. He's catching touchdowns, um, working out of that slot that we love to see. It's just going to be a question about how that transition works when one of those guys moves on, if he can play more on the outside and if he can do some of those things. But And obviously the quarterback position at the Seahawks. But I, I still like these three kind of, you know, being or, – or these two, sorry, not Quentin Johnson, but these two being at least around the top. I think they're going to be at least long-term assets that we can rely on. Yeah, and I want to echo more what you said about Addison. I love that. I think he was – we talked about him being like a dynamic two, which there's always yeah. dynamic twos in the league. Um, Justin Jefferson went down in week six, and then the following week seven, Addison had 31.3 fantasy points, 21.4 fantasy points, 10.2, and 10.2. Like, it, mm-hmm. it had its two of his three best statistical like games were San Francisco Green Bay when he was gone. So, like, he filled in and was that dynamic too. And then, and then NFL has kind of caught on and got a little better at covering him. I do think he slowed down down the stretch with the exception of the Cincinnati game. Uh, but I, I think we kind of nailed it. I think he's the two, I think he's a fancy relevant guy but like he's not going to be he's not going to be a player i probably rank in my top 20 dynasty assets yeah probably it's gonna be tough to get him inside there i think yeah yeah but like i i feel good plugging him in my lineup like i like wide receiver three four like i'm feeling fine about it. my flex spot love him there like that would be yeah. good um and then with jace and yeah the whole point was like he's the first round pick it's gotta be a transition of the guard Last year, they used DK. Like, his lowest dot ever was with Geno Smith. And so, clearly, like, they need a short area guy because Locke is kind of like the field stretcher and, like, so is, like, DK to a way. He's a, kind of a vertical th- a vertical threat. Like, they needed a guy to operate the middle. So, I don't know. I, I don't – I'm not – I still feel really good about JSN. I don't know where I, I value Adam today. Uh, so, 
Because I, I don't, Gino didn't look good this year. Gino didn't look good. And they no, only signed him for three That's probably contract. the biggest question with the Seahawks going forward is what they're going to do at the quarterback position. I mean, he he's fine. He's capable. Like these guys are still weekly starters. You know, it's just if one of them move on, that's where you really might see Jason's value bump up here. Yeah. So I, I still feel good about both those guys. I feel good about both those guys. Um, but the one guy that did end up for us as a top five RC receiver for you was was Zay Flowers. I think I had him more in the five to ten range. Mm-hmm. You want to? Should I just give you an applaud right here? Like, what should I do? Do you? Feel I don't know. Like, I, I still like. I, I consider this a win. I will as as okay. a guy that I can. I say I was kind of on through like throughout his career. He just had like an elite trade. I think you can hang your hat on. We talk about it all the time. Something that at least helps transition that you can rely on while he learns the rest, right? He moved better than anybody else on the field. I consistently said he was the best player with the ball in his hands in college. I wasn't sure if there was a better player in college when you put the ball in his hands. And he was actually, you know, used as a true number one for a Boston college. He developed that way from, from a manufactured touches guy as a freshman to almost doing everything for them. Like uh, by the end of his career there. So a, a guy whose size is really the only limiting factor, uh, maybe some concentration drops uh, as well, but it looks like that size isn't much of an issue at the NFL level. They're not putting him in contested catch situations. They are using him on some manufactured stuff, some short to intermediate stuff. He is, you know, dazzling in the open field. He's had some really nice moments this year. I'm I'm still not completely sold if he'll ever be an every week starter. Maybe one of those first off the bench type of guys, one of those first, you know, bi-week filler type guys, you know, maybe he can grow into this, this offense kind of worries me for that as well, as long as Lamar's kind of at the helm. And it's not, that I think Lamar's a bad player. I don't, I don't want to put that out there. He just doesn't really supply a lot of value to his his wide receivers, fantasy wise. And so, he spreads it around too. Like it's not yeah. a lot of volume, but he spreads around what little bit of the pie that there is. Exactly right. So I still think just given the draft capital he got, given some of the usage and like how it's working at least a little bit the next level, it's a positive outcome for him. So I'll consider it a win. But it's like it, it's not like I'm saying this guy's like a wide receiver one or anything like that. It why, taking him in the first round still might have been like a little bit pricey for me. Let me ask you this. I'll do this too, by the way. Can you mm-hmm. re-rank like the top four wide receivers? I'm excluding Quentin Johnson, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to say like, not top four, excuse me. Can you re-rank Zay Flowers, JSN, and Addison? I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting Jason Flowers and Addison. Yeah. That's yeah, a, the that's first a, rounders. That's a tough one, man. If I, I mean, Quentin Johnson obviously be at the bottom. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is tough. I still think, Upside highest is JSN. I still think okay. if I had to re-rank, he might be number one for me. And then it's like a battle at number two between Jordan Addison and, and Zay Flowers for me. Like I just, uh, I think there's a possibility I put Zay Flowers second and then Jordan Addison and then Quentin Johnson. I think I'd rather Addison. I think I'd yeah. rather. I don't blame you. I don't. That's a, that's a close one right there for me. Zay's, Zay's work this year too did look manufactured like half the time. Like yeah. It, oh yeah. There was one game where it was like really forced. I think it was like week three I watched in Indianapolis. It was it was weird where it was like they're forcing the ball into him like hard. Yeah. Um, so which is also nice. It means the team really wants to get the ball in their playmaker's hands. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just Well, let, let's give you some love here now, okay? You have to I you gotta pat yourself on the back for this one. You gotta talk to me about your love for Mr. Puka Nakua. Okay. Where did he finish as your wide receiver? where did you have him ranked actually last year? I know I had him going. Just be just be honest. Just be honest. You, I, I like he fully liked him. Okay, this ranking does not mean that he didn't like him, but it's just where did you have him ranked? I want to know. I had him at ten as soon as the offseason started, and then I slowly dropped him to fifteen. I think once this once the draft came around. Yeah, so it's fair to say you weren't exactly expecting this, but like, 
I will say, like, I have Puga Nakua shares because of how much you talked about him. You know, you like, drilled his name into my head over and over again. And, like, I did like him, like, when he used to be a, a prospect for, like, Washington. He was a, he was a pretty yeah. high-ranking high prospect or whatever. But, like, I never followed him to BYU. I never really paid attention. I know that yards per hour number was up there. But, I mean, I, I, I would be lying if I said I expect any of this. So what were some of the things that, like, you know, led you to him thinking he could at least succeed at the next level? So this is like something that Austin actually talks about a lot too, about players having to have a trump card, uh, like skill set to be tantalized in the NFL. Like that's mm-hmm. something they had to hang their hat on. I thought Puka was the only guy in last year's class that had a like NFL starting gadget skill set. Like he's a manufacturer touch guy, but he's also a very superb athlete that can maximize those touches. And I thought he was also one of the better with spatial awareness when it comes to like zone plays. So I never thought he was like a man beater, like a one-on-one. And that's what it would always keep him out of like my top five. Uh, mm. I never even considered him in top five. Uh, so yeah, I've always had him as a third round grade. Thought maybe he could be a late second. Um, anyway, yeah, I was, I was always super high on him. And then we we'll go to the senior bowl and then he like leaves the senior bowl. Like he just, yeah. and there was some question there though. There was some question like, cause we, I remember us even talking during the senior bowl episode. It was like, did he leave because he got good, good reviews on his grade or did he just realize he wasn't like cut out for, for what was going on over here? Like no, there was some question was, around it, but he was cooking day one. I just didn't know if it was, he left because of an injury or because he left because of good news and no one knew it and no one talked about it. And I kept asking everyone to stands like every single, like, the, like the B reporter from the New York Jets, I'm like, do you guys hear anything about Puka Nakua? And they're like, no. Like, so, yeah. Puka who? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like, who was that? I was like, you see your day one. He's caught a lot of balls from Darren Hall, their teammates. You know, it was, yeah. So I, I liked Puka Nakua from like what he can do, even though it was like manufactured touches. Like it wasn't like a lot of stuff, but it, I, I like what he did once the ball's in his hands and like his, his, just his mindset, his IQ. So I, I liked him a lot there. So if you had to rank him now, is he what wide receiver one? Yeah, he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would trade any players for him. I was even asking you a question beforehand, like even just to peek into this. Like we were, I, I asked him beforehand uh, before the show. If someone offered you Jameer Gibbs for Pukunuku right now, what would be like your your what would you do with that with that offer? Would you accept Jameer Gibbs? And we both kind of like talked about it a lot, and we kind of like settled on the fact that it might be like a team related question. If I'm like rebuilding, I might want Puka, the longer lasting asset at wide receiver for for the long haul. Or if I have you know running back issues, I might want Gibbs. But that actually that question actually feels closer than it does than it should at than we thought at least coming into the season. Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy. He's definitely wide receiver one for me in this class. Week six, I was telling Corey, I offered a jsn in a first for him in week six <laughs> and the manager that had him i i it's my only you know i'm abusing i know all their biases i know they love using keep trade cut calculator i'm like look this is a deal this is yeah. this is you're 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 cheating me i would love to have you know and the, <laughs> the dude was just like he won the league by the way he won the league this year he uh he was like on five and one he's a starter for me like i can't give up a starting asset right now i, was like, I feel that i respect that yeah, so, and, and you walk into a good situation here as well. Like, you know, you got an aging Cooper Cup here. Um, there was no one else really there. Stafford is known as the kingmaker at wide receiver. I think that's probably the biggest question going forward is like, what's going to happen with Stafford? Like, I think Cup is probably heading on his last legs a little bit here. We've already seen a little bit of a decline this year. Still kind of, you know, showing a little bit of stuff, but we've seen a little bit of a decline. Just Stafford's the biggest question here because I think he absolutely is part of this equation. And what happens after he's gone, I think, is is something that we're going to have to watch out for. I was also worried about the offensive line. It was atrocious last year. And I yeah. didn't, off the top of my head right now, I can't really remember 
too many moves they made in the offseason to really improve it at all. You know, maybe like one or two guys, but I didn't I didn't think they'd have this level of passing attack. And I mostly thought because like pass rushers would get at uh Stafford pretty easily, which they they didn't. Yeah. And, and I mean for what it's worth, it's not like he was actually used in a manufactured role this year for um for, for the Rams. Like they used him all no. over the field. He was intermediate. He was deep. Like he did he did freaking everything. So I mean it's it's one of those situations where he did he just wasn't used exactly the, the all the ways to show us what he could do at BYU and we, we're seeing it now in the NFL and sometimes it's hard to find these guys but I, I gotta give you you know props for finding that one because, like, I mean Thank I'm you. a very happy dynasty owner of Puka in like 70% of my leagues because of you doing that he, so he beat the year one zero but you can't just give up on those guys yeah like you that, can't give you know? up on the year one zero there you go no. so. <laughs> um, yeah also speaking of ownership I have 100% Will Howard ownership across all my leagues very pumped about that this <laughs> Very pumped. <laughs> five for five, all the way across. <laughs> all right, uh, let's go on to um, let's go on to a pretty glaring miss. At least for me personally, I know he was in both of our top tens, and that's that's going to be Mister Kayshawn Butte mm. um, with the Patriots. God, I love the, God, I love the Patriots. Um, yeah, gotta be similar to that. Gotta be the wide version of Zach Evans here. What yes. did we learn from our mistakes here on Kayshawn Butte? I think there's a couple things at play here. One could have possibly been, you know, same thing with Zach Evans, holding on to priors too long. I mean, this guy, yes. great, great freshman season, looked like he could do it all, then suffer what was rumored to be an Achilles injury, right? We never got like official word on that, but he never quite looked the same yeah. after that. And we we should have put more weight on that because especially the way his usage changed because he became like this quick hitch, uh, low A dot type player. Um, seemed to suffer from mental drops after that little bit of a diva behind the scenes, similar to Zach Evans as well, yes. you know, and, and maybe we banked on him turning it around the further he got removed from the injury. And and maybe that's still a possibility. You know, he doesn't necessarily have a room of world beaters to in front of him at their new staff going to be coming in there. I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick's on his way out. We don't have any official word on that either yet, but maybe he'll be able to work himself into rotation and show a little bit, but the red flags were there, I think. And we probably just should have put more weight on them. He got 69% of snaps. Nice. Nice. Week one. Week one. Four yeah. targets, zero receptions. And then after that, just healthy scratch after healthy scratch after healthy scratch. With opportunity. Like Demonte Parker wasn't in. Demario Davis got hurt. Like, I mean, there was, there was, there was Juju nobody got hurt. Like, there. Nobody there. Nobody, nobody there even when they're healthy, but nobody there even now. It's, yeah. Um, I can't, I don't know. And now he's been like sick the last like three weeks. Like, I, dude, I don't know. Uh, this was, <laughs> This was the same as Zach Evans, where I, I evaluate him because I do like I drop my my film grades like publicly on Twitter and I I put some two stars there. No one asked me what they were. I'll probably publicize it this year, but but I evaluate him off his sophomore year tape before his injury and for the games that he actually played. So like that was a mistake. And I think that's something that I learned too. Like I, that kind of saved me for like George Pickens, for example. I also have a lot of George Pickens. Like I like chose to ignore like analytical profiles for him being hurt. Like it's it like that's what I did for him. But like with Keishon Boutte, like I don't know, dude. Like he came back. I, I think Achilles takes two years to heal, but like it's been two years now and this is what we got. So I I don't know, dude. This is a huge yeah. mistake. I should have just avoided it and like if I lost, I lost. Like if I missed out, I missed out. I remember watching that last season of tape for Keishon Butte too, and him just looking like completely uninterested in what was going on in the field, him looking frustrated. And even like a couple of times him like limping or whatever, I just, I have a feeling he's in his head about not being able to be the guy he used to be as well. And like, maybe he should have like, you know, settled down and just realized this was going to be a process to get back to that player or whatever. But I almost feel like he got shut down himself 
And like that, that has an effect, you know, your, your mental state, everything has an effect on how you portray yourself on the field and how much work you put in everything. And maybe that's, that, that's, that's kind of a thing that's going on here too with the poor guy. Dude, he had a he had a party after the bowl game. I don't know how depressed he can be. <laughs> he's, he's trying to surround himself with fun, man. He's trying to be happy. <laughs> um, we should have just evaluated him for what he was, not what he could be. That yes, projection exactly. stuff is is all about freshman sophomore year. That's a, not... that's a tough balance to strike, though. Too it is because we always talk about we're trying to project. It's a, it's a tough balance, you know. You're I think this is just going to happen sometimes. But there was definitely more red flags there with him that we should have put more weight on. Yeah, for sure. Well, outside of Butte, overall, though, I think we did a pretty good job on wide receivers. We faded Jalen Hyatt. We we missed us with that. I, I yeah. watched Alabama <laughs> game. Missed us with that Jalen Hyatt stuff, dude. I had one of the green – I had one of the George, – Georgia, excuse me. I had one of the New York Giant fans tweet at me, like, week three. And he's just like, oh, just take age like molasses. You know, something like that. And I was just like, what are you talking about? And he's just like, Jalen Hyatt <laughs> just ran 22 miles an hour in practice. I was like – Okay, we yeah, all knew that anyway. Like, yeah, it's cool. Let's see what you can do on the field. Like, it, yeah, I got that one bookmark. I'm about to message that fan back here. I'm waiting for the, <laughs> the season ended. I'm gonna let him know. Yeah. Anyway, um, we missed that. Uh, Marvin Mims or Jonathan Mingo. First off, Jonathan Mingo, who did look good at the Senior Bowl. I did talk about the Senior Bowl. Fast footwork, like stuff that I never saw on tape. I mean, I definitely said he made money, which he definitely did. Like, he got early second round pick, but. I think that's another thing where, like, just because someone's a flash in the pan, you can't ignore what's on the tape here. We got to see him play against Power 5 competition. Um, yeah. I just want to go on that route. Because there's also players that are flash pan, like Christian Watson, too, who was kind of hot for a little bit there, but that's also cooled off as well. So just another a tale of whatever. But anyway, I do want to ask you this, too. We didn't mention him. I don't know if I'm skipping up the sheet here a little bit, but Jaden Reed, I wasn't yeah. big on Jaden Reed. I had, I had him... I actually had him one spot in front of Marvin Mims, but that's like wide receiver 14 and 15, like way back there. So how do you feel about Jaden Reed's future here? Because I feel like Green Bay just grabs the – actually, never mind. Sorry, it's not an NFL show. <laughs> kind of is. Guy? We talk about it. <laughs> Green Bay no, I mean, we've grabbing these guys that are just like speedsters and like it's all about getting downfield fast. And um, like that's cool. But like I, I still don't think they have a guy that operates in the middle of the field very well. Um We've talked about like like Reed a little bit like through like I don't know I want to say like last couple of shows just a little bit like just talking about him how we weren't really like in on him that much going into like the off season but like I think they've put him in like 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 good situations for his skill set like the, he's he has like a rushing touchdown this year I believe they use him on like end rounds they use him on a couple of manufactured stuff he does like he has caught some middle deep stuff and and stuff like that like I think. I think that he could set himself up for like a slot role in the NFL, like and, and be like the new Randall Cobb of this offense, like that that type of player who's like not not necessarily a weekly starter every week, but it, something like we talked about with Zay Flowers. Like I think I think he could be like a first off the bench type player um, for your NFL team once like the rest of the wide receiver core figures itself out. You know, like whatever happens with Watson, if he can develop into something and be their true X. Like Romeo Dobbs has shown flashes, but he's had trouble staying healthy. Like I think that has a lot to do with the two of him being like the only real option there um for the Packers right now besides like tight ends and stuff like that you know we're even seeing okay. Wicks catch some touchdowns Bo Melton could catch some touchdowns or whatever like I think yeah, some of the crazy. situation also led to him like really breaking out this year okay so you're a little skeptical about him because like we're I'm a little bit skeptical, yeah okay because I feel like a lot of these guys like I feel like I can see where I made my mistake but Jaden Reed like even looking at him like right now knowing what he is today like I still don't know like looking back at my process of what to adjust to catch it like I just don't like, I think he was I just don't um, to wrap this class up, I just want to comment on some uh, some QBs. 
there are a lot of like argument based on the top three QBs. I think it's fair to say the jury is out on like a rich he's hurt, but like, yeah, like I could like, like you're looking at him. You're like, I think Avery can run for a thousand yards and like a bunch of touchdowns and like throw for two K and like be yeah. fine. So the jury's still out. Cause he's hurt. I still feel really confident that take though. I'm not moving him, but the debate between Bryce and Stroud, Bryce young, CJ Stroud, which one did you have higher going into the season? I mean, I, and hey, I'm not just saying it because he had a good team. You can look at my Twitter. You can look at everything. I was constantly touting Stroud as my quarterback one. I was always a little bit worried about the size with Bryce. I was always a little bit worried about the arm strength. The one thing I said with Bryce was that he has a better, like, arm in a sense of, like, placement. He had a better arm in a sense of anticipation. He had a better arm in a lot of those things, I thought. But with Stroud, I always just thought, like, the arm looked more powerful. He was hitting those tight window throws a little bit better. I liked the way he stood in the pocket. And then we saw a little bit of the mobility as well. And it's just like, like you said, we're sizes at the end of the day. Like I think in Devi analyzing size comes into play. I will say like, just in, just to be honest here, this is a reflection show. There was, there it was a brief period there leading up to the draft or after the draft that I had Anthony Richardson as number one. I just thought as a fantasy from a fantasy aspect that he could lead himself to more fantasy points. So if I had the choice, like I think um, in our NIL versus C2C league, I had the choice between Anthony Richardson or Stroud uh, picking in that league. I ended up going with Anthony Richardson during that time. And just because I thought, you know, I, and CJ Stroud was dropping. He was going like number seven. Everybody was worried about the S2 oh, test, wow. all that stuff. Like, so uh, I'm, I'm really happy to see this outcome for him. But I, he was always a quarterback one for me, man. I just, I, I love his makeup and I love what he's done. Um, and we see here at the next level now. I had Irish number one, by the way, going in. Yeah. Yeah, I was all about like the rushing upside. I though I did um I pulled up my rookie rankings from last year, not just the film grades, but I'm talking about the actual rankings for fantasy. Um yeah. I had Bryce higher, which doesn't really sound like me. I know I did the whole like season, but I thought down the stretch I flipped. I guess were, I did not. You were not the only one. Everybody was dropping CJ Stroud, man. It was the whole Ohio State narrative. It was the whole all the other stuff that went on with it. Uh, Bryce it had been tough Houston so long. Too. I, I just what he did at Houston was just amazing. I thought yeah. Houston was like like Houston hasn't been making good hires on coaching the last two years. I assume they just picked another guy to like take the fall for another bad year. Mm-hmm. grab some extra draft capital you know i really did so this whole year was just surprising to me and me and you commented to his uh final game i can't remember who it was against but, but georgia like, amazing that was yes, his best amazing. game of his entire career and we saw sides of him that we haven't seen all year uh so i don't like we don't we just talked about being cautious of small sample sizes yeah but like <laughs> yeah. that like if we saw that like i don't know if i saw that half the year I would have been, I would have, this, I think I would have known, but yeah. So you, and I mean, you weren't the only one. Let's not just pretend that you were the only one there. I think, I think a majority of people actually had Bryce Young as number one, or at least above Stroud. Like I, I, almost in every draft I, I did, Bryce went before Stroud. So, I mean, it's I not just Bryce was safer. Like I thought, he yeah, was safe. I think that was a general consensus. It was just, a, he was going to be a safer pick, but I mean, he's, he's almost looked like I want to, like, the biggest thing with him was always with the poise, right? But I almost want to say he's looked rattled at times. Yeah, I don't think he's terrible. I just his pack, everything around him is bad. I thought both yeah. these guys had like a terrible supporting cast and come out of nowhere. Houston actually has a really good team, like across the board. And Bryce Jones left with what I thought CJ Shaw would have been left with. Interesting, yeah. interesting year. Um, yeah. Now we're going to go back a little bit further because now we are two years removed from the 2022, well, or almost two years removed from the 2022 class. We're two seasons, two seasons removed mm-hmm. from the 2022 class. Uh, I want to look at some of these names that 
you know, we, we, uh, we had some analysis on, we also did last year's like looking back one year in. So the top mostly had ranked Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker as like one and two. There was Isaiah Spiller. There was a crowd that was into Isaiah Spiller. Uh, looking back though, besides Brees Hall, besides Kenneth Walker, two guys we got to talk about here. We got to talk about Tyler Algier and Damian Pierce here. I, I consider Tyler Algier last year a hit, a thousand yard rusher. And I think he was like my RV three or four going into the draft anyway. And I which thought is, he which was is bold, which is bold. <laughs> It was, yeah. Well, yes, it was very bold. He, he's one of those running backs who just checks all the boxes and just leaves not a bunch to be excited for, but it's also hard for me to see his failure. I had him above players, like, off the top of my head. I know I had him above Brian Robinson. I thought Brian Robinson mm-hmm. was also a backup player, but same same boat, same spectrum. Um, there wasn't, like, a strong class. I had him right in front of Rashad White, like, RB, RB4 there for me. Like, it's – I would have – I would probably rather shot white now, but like it's yeah. not like that much. Brian Robinson, I would rather now. Yeah, I, he surprised Williams. me at the next level too. He's actually caught. Some, he's done well catching the ball too. Like Brian Tom, Brian Robinson's probably one that probably should have been a little bit higher for both of us. Looking back on it, he got shot up. He's just built different. He's yeah, built he's different. built different. He's built different. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, he he did okay. I think most of these guys I don't think were too appealing to me to be like studs next level. They were kind of like fill-ins and like you hope to get one or two years of usage out of him. And Tyler Algier got my usage early. I got him like, I got yeah. him used up the first couple of weeks and it would have been a slam dunk. Would have been a slam dunk if the Falcons didn't draft B. John Robinson. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, over, over to Damian Pierce on my side. This was a guy that I followed at Florida a long time. And I was, you know, very su- surprised by his year. Um, the first season, but I was in on him. I just didn't think that he'd like become the leading rusher of the, of the rookie running back class in that year. But I mean, it's totally flipped now. <laughs> I mean, they bring in Devin Singletary. The offense is a hundred times better. And I'm like, well, this should be good for Damien. Right. And unfortunately Singletary is the guy they eventually go to Damien by the end of the season has become a kick returner. I mean, th- this is the worry when they don't put a bunch of draft capital in on a guy. And same thing with Algier, like even having him as like RB three and, and doing good, even when they do good their first season, they still might bring in competition the next season. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is. Like they just don't have the investment in them to really like go forward and have faith in them going forward. I'm not really sure why. Um, I will say now though, looking at uh, at the other side here, I have to give myself some love here. You know, we gave yourself some love for, for Puka. Okay, mm-hmm. three guys that we had labeled as misses last year. Okay. I had him like my top eight or so uh, during the off season. Some guys had dropped completely out, like a guy like Kyron Williams after all his testing and everything like that. I was uh, Kyron Williams was as high as running back four for me at one point. Jerome Ford finished as my running back four. Zamir White was like RB five, RB six, or something like that. All of which we labeled as potential misses last year. Bounced back in a big way this year. Were they able to change your mind at all watching him them this year? No. No, no, dude, no. Because look, Jerome Ford only got his shot because Nick Chubb had that gruesome injury. There's plenty of guys that get their shot and don't look good. Jerome Ford on a bad Cleveland Browns team looked good. He was a consistent running back too. That's fine. But like, I still don't like my initial scouting grade and reports and like even where I like what I thought the situation was day one. Like I can't account for someone blowing out their knee like that. Like that was terrible. So no, I don't really feel bad where I put them. They were they were pretty deep for me. I mean, Kyron was what? Eight for me? There, was plenty, there was plenty of options they could have signed off the couch. 
I'm taking that one as a win, so you can show okay, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be cel- like you should be celebrating those. I'm just not feeling bad for missing out. I, I you can't like those are just some really bizarre circumstances. I think all three of these guys, you know, after labeling them as misses last year, I think they're trending in the opposite direction. I think they're trending up when, when considering all these guys. No, you're right. And it, when you get these like day three running backs, you're just happy if you can start them like at some point in time, like for your flexes in those deep leagues, they just have a bunch of starting spots. So yeah, yeah that's a hit too. Cause like looking at, looking at my top 15 from that class, guys who have still never had the opportunity, like spillers in there, like he's not, he, he's done Tyler hmm. Beatty, who I thought really could have been a pass kicking back. Like, no, son yeah. Haskins. I don't even think he's in the NFL anymore. Like it, he's done Kevin Harris, from the Patriots. That was another, like Oof. that was the guy that was injury riddled, but like showed us a lot as a sophomore. So that was, he's deep anyways, but like, yeah, yeah, like those guys aren't touching the field. So, well, Kevin Harris actually did a couple weeks ago, but he did anyway. I mean, it's the you Patriots. You always get that random Patriots running back that like has a <laughs> yeah, game that scores dude. a touchdown at least. Uh, yeah. Two other names that we discussed last year, though, we were relatively high on on Rashad White. I think we can take that as a win now because last year we were worried about where that was going to go or whatever with this team. Yeah. I think I think he's grown, especially throughout the year. We've seen a lot better. Like like the rushing efficiency started low and then got a little bit better and better. Now he's becoming like this full range weapon, which is nice to see. But we are relatively low on James Cook. Um, has has James Cook been able to change your mind at all throughout year two? Like he's had some ups, he's had some downs. Like what what, what are you thinking about him now? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I still think limitations are there, but yeah, hundred percent. Like he's a hit. I underrated him. Mm-hmm. I thought he's gonna be a pass catching back, so I thought he really was. And think he's gonna be like running up the middle too much, which I still think was pretty right. You know, two rushing touchdowns. Like we know he's not getting the goal line work. Yeah, uh, but the current workload was far beyond what I thought he was gonna get. So uh, correct on like how he was used, but not the volume of usage. So yeah, definitely wrong. Definitely an, an asset. So. Yeah, I'm, I think he nailed it there anyways. I, just, I think he's been inconsistent this year. He'll have like a 40-point game, then follow up with like a five-point game and a six-point game. He'll have like a seven-game stretch where he like barely does anything. Then he'll blow up for like three games. And it's just like they don't pass consistently enough to him, which is probably like one of his best assets. He gets pulled at the goal line too. I mean, they brought in Leonard Fournette, and they're putting him at the goal line. Just Josh Allen just runs it in. Like and Latavius Murray was getting way too much work in the beginning. So I still think that parts of our analysis were right there. Um, but he's definitely outperformed what we thought he was going to be at the next level. Heading over, though, to the wide receiver group here. Like, look, we had a clear top four among us. It was Burks, London, Jameson, and Wilson. And fair to say, most have shown enough flashes to be okay with that ranking. But, like, one glaring underproducer, Traylon Burks, kind of missing a little bit earlier. But it's a big miss. A big miss. Uh, I want, like, Corey, what do you think factions is? Injuries, situation, the eval was incorrect what do you think yeah i don't know i just maybe this was another thing where we kind of like qj where we put more on some of the flashes we saw and maybe didn't you know realize how raw he actually was as a player you know he really excelled on manufactured touches in his last year but then like leading up to that year he was more of like a downfield threat so i was like trying to project saying you know the, the downfield threat is there Maybe he'll put it all together at the next level and whatever. And maybe like that some situation does play a factor here. You know, like they've had quarterback issues. Ryan Tannehill hasn't been the best. They've been trying to find that next guy. Well, Levis wasn't really doing much, um, you know, and the injuries haven't helped either. He's constantly been injured. He dealt with that really bad head injury this year as well, where he was out. So there are a couple outside factors, I think, here having having an effect on his projection here at the next level. But it's hard not to say that this was a little bit of a miss, like having him this high. 
Um, I think, you know, we thought he was a better athlete than he actually ended up testing being, you know, maybe he was just the best athlete at Arkansas, but, but watching him in the NFL, he doesn't seem like that same type of athlete. I still think there's a realm for him to be like, I don't feel like he's gotten enough of a chance because of the injuries, because of like some of the quarterback carousel that they've been going through that, like maybe somewhere down the line, like he could be a year three breakout type of guy. Remember when we used to like think every wide receiver year three was like going to be the big year they broke out. Now we just expect them to do something in like year one or something. Yeah, so I, I'm still not out of that. I, I'm still not off of that for Trey Burks, but like everything around him has got to like be a lot better. You know what I mean? Like the quarterback play has got to be better. Can Will Levis take that next step? You know, what happens with DeAndre Hopkins? Does Traylon Burks now become the guy if DeAndre Hopkins moves on or gets traded or whatever? Like, and can he really be that guy? Are they going to bring in someone else over him now? Or are they kind of giving up on him going forward? So I think there's a lot of questions surrounding him, but it's hard not to say that, you know, this was a bit of a miss here, I think, from from multiple angles. You know, I think the I think we were light on the evaluation. We projected a little bit too much with him, but I also think there's a lot of outside factors playing a part here. Yeah. It, again, going back to what I was talking about with Quentin Johnson, to care more about not the raw athlete, but the, the refined players. So that's my big takeaway here. I think I play the game again with QJ. I think I'd rather just not play that game anymore. Uh, I do think we did pretty well fitting names like Wandell Robinson, Jalen Tolbert, uh, Tyquan Thornton. Um, I did have Sky Moore at wide receiver five at one point. I did have that. Did you too? Did you also have him at wide receiver five? I did not have Sky Moore. Okay. I think he topped out at like wide receiver nine for me. And maybe I let a little bit of the, oh, the wow. hype. Have the hype um, get I kept flipping him and George every other week. Him and George Pickens between five. Yeah. And six. I mean, we talked about it a bunch of times though. And maybe that was, maybe that's the same thing as like Traylon Burks. Maybe, maybe you put a little bit too much on the projection with him, but he was a very like, he repeated the same moves all the time. He had like one move at the line of screen. We talked about a lot. The shuffle yeah. the feet. The shuffle yeah. I just shuffle the feet and go and shuffle the feet. And it was like, so it's like, it, it, I mean, I, I mean, we're going through year two here where Kansas City needed somebody to step up and he still didn't. So I just think that, you know, I think the evaluation, he, he never developed like we, like maybe you would have hoped, I think, at the next level. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I was the analytical profile was super tantalizing. The film was not bad. It wasn't great. Yeah, not it bad. wasn't bad though. Good hands. He had good hands. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh on the flip side though, here, I think we can both, you know, uh say we did pretty good with our love for Mr. George Pickens, who was he was my wide receiver one at some points through the through the through the offseason. He ended up finishing as my pre-draft wide receiver five. Well, actually entering that season before he tore his ACL, he was like my wide receiver one of the class, but that was a long time ago. We're Devi analysts, so we're ranking these guys way before their time. Okay. So but he was wide receiver yeah. one for me at one point. He finished as my wide receiver five. I think he finished as your wide receiver five, too. You were talking about you're flipping between him and Sky Moore. Um, so I, I think we did pretty good with that one. We saw we can see the way he's excelling at this level. I still think there's a lot of raw ability there. Um, he's winning, you know, mostly on like these, these crazy body contortion and winning over guys and mossing guys. So it's still some more development there, but I'm pretty happy with that. You mentioned yeah. a guy though, that we were, we were talking about, um, we've, we mentioned him a bunch through this episode, biggest elephant in our rankings that we, that maybe we miss. I don't know if we can call it a miss. Uh, I'll get your take on it here. Mr. Christian Watson, both outside of our top tens had last year. Um, I think we still said after last year when we did our, our reflection show that we still were holding strong with that ranking. We hadn't seen anything that really changed our minds yet. Has anything happened to now to you now over the past year that might have changed your mind on his future? Uh, I almost thought that this was a loss because of all these touchdowns he he caught. Mm-hmm. Um, are you remember Tim out friend of the show, friend of ours? We love Tim. Tim and Tim in the Slack was like trying to tell us the. That we're too low on Christian Watson. He's like, well, he still catches touchdowns, and that matters in my leagues. And I remember being sassy about the touchdown <laughs> catching. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, so 
Anyway, so I feel a little more vindicated. I really thought that I missed on not ranking him higher. He was a senior bowl winner, like FCS stand. Well, he didn't even stand on the FCS. He was just a senior bowl standout. Very one-dimensional usage. Anyway, it just looks like it's all catching up to him, and NFL teams have figured out how to stop him, which didn't really feel like he had too many tools in his belt anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah so th- this is why I like versatile like assets, not guys with just singular skill sets. And also just the raw athletes, going back to the theme of Traylon Burks and Quentin Johnson and just other guys that come in as raw super athletes. Like, this is Christian Watson. He's a raw athlete. Yeah. So, um, again, so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm yeah. at. That's where I'm at. If there's any room for these raw athletes to succeed at the NFL level, I think this is where we're talking about the year three plan. These guys have to learn on the job a little bit. I mean, Christian Watson was a D2 player um, coming from North Dakota State. Um, the hands were a little bit off. like, And he moved really well, and he was a good athlete. But like his route running was like all over the place. And like you see it at the NFL level, like the transition now. He's he's used on end arounds. He's used on like run a goal route, and I'm going to try to hit you deep. And then his big size was used in the red zone a lot, which worked out well for him. But, I mean, he has he's had trouble staying healthy. He sometimes has had trouble tracking the ball. He sometimes had, had trouble catching the ball. I still think that there's room for upside there. Like I still think, you know, maybe having him outside of our top tens was like was maybe a little bit bold, but like, I don't think anything has happened yet. that's going to change my mind. I agree that there's upside there and that, you know, maybe there's a year three jump for him right here. But I think what, to what we see at the next level, I think it's kind of what we've expected. They've tried to force him into an X role. And I don't think it's exactly worked out as the way they would have hoped. And I think that some of the upside you saw was I'm trying to pigeonhole him there, but like the more guys step up and the more he stays injured and the more he doesn't, produce like this could be a guy that like falls before we know it at least but i mean i'm i'm just throwing that out there he's he's done some nice things there is some upside there um but yeah i i think we are low on him for the right reasons if you're playing the value game i think this is still a miss because you definitely was could have cashed in on him last year yeah um so if you want to play that game this is a miss and this will always be a miss but in the long run i think our evaluation was correct yeah Oh my goodness. Sorry. My my boy just surprised the shit out of me. (laughs) Your kid's got a better haircut than you do. What's going on? He does have a better haircut than me. Say hi. 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 Daddy's just doing some work. Okay. 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 I'll see you in a little bit. Okay. Okay. Go play with your toys. Okay. Okay. Love you. Love you. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Um, Hey, you're doing the after show? Yeah, we could do the after. I got some time. I mean, my All kid's right, bugging cool. me, but if you want to keep me around for the after show, we can. I'll yeah. All right, guys. Hey, if you're not joining for the after show, thank you for joining Corey and Mike. And as always, guys, good night and good luck. Good luck.